scale with white powder over it, white baggie, and then dudes are coming to my door knocking to buy my pre-workout. I handed them a baggie of white powder. <laughs> they hand five bucks and like we shake hands and that was it. I think it's some like lash and hate from upper level leadership and some peers about what I was doing. First time I tried it was in college, put like one video up, it got like two hate comments, three to the channel. Yeah. Second time I started. Hello and welcome back to Redirected. My name is Andrew East and this is a show that's all about stories. Stories about how people pivoted from one career into a completely different career. Stories about how people suffered terrible tragedies but made it through to the other side. And I wanted to hear these stories and share them with you so that yes, we could get the entertainment value of the stories themselves, but also that we might be able to learn a little bit about how to deal with these unexpected events that life throws at us and what to do when we hit an obstacle that we didn't see coming. And so today we sit down with Nick Bear who is an awesome guy. I feel like him and I have a lot in common. And Nick first started several years ago documenting his experience serving our country on YouTube and uh, really made some awesome content. And through that content, uh, he shared his love of fitness and his pa passion for fitness. And now that has turned into a massive company that he's built called Bear Performance Nutrition. He makes uh, fitness supplements, nutrition supplements, and they're really good. You should check them out. There's a link down below. Um, but Nick shares his experience about how he got into serving the country in the first place, how he started making YouTube videos about that, and then ultimately how he built this company um, to the size it is now. And so Nick and I, as I said, I think we share a lot of similarities. Um, I started, I was like really the first one to document the behind the scenes of what the NFL was like. Nick was the first one to document the behind the scenes of what it was like to serve. And um, anyway, really enjoyed it. We're both meatheads, I think at our core, but he has some really good things to say. And if you want to learn more about him, I've also included his social media handles um, down below, but you're going to enjoy this one with Nick Bear. And before we get started, if you guys haven't yet, hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to and give the show a rating or a thumbs up. It's highly appreciated. And let's just get right into it. Nick Bear, thank you for joining the show today. It's good to meet you. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. I got to say, your fiance, Stephanie, did a series of Instagram stories saying that we got to get you on the show. So glad we can make it work. But you have some devoted fans, man, that's for sure. I think her audience is more devoted to her than me. Uh, so yeah, she made this happen. So uh, a mad shout out to Steph. When's uh, when's the big day? When are you getting married? Um, so it's May 9th, twenty twenty. Uh, we're getting married in Michigan. So we got we got engaged this past September, um, and then we wanted a little bit of time just because there's so much going on with our life right now. We were we were moving in a new house. We were moving into a new warehouse for the business. Um, so just like allowing ample amount of time, like months, was almost necessary. Yeah, Sean and I did a nine month engagement. It was pretty tight. You know, it was like we, we didn't feel like it was enough time. So I think yeah. it's a good call. There's no way we can pull it off in nine months. Like <laughs> I thought about it. It was like, no, there's there's way too much going on place right now. Yeah. Hey, so you recently did a marathon, right? Yes, I've done two marathons. Um okay. I did the past few years I did the Austin marathons. Um and I'm currently training for an Ironman. I saw that, dude. How's that going? Uh, it, you know, I'll tell you, like, I'm the type of person who commits to something and then I figure out how I'm going to, how I'm going to get there. So it's kind of a funny story. Uh, I was doing a hundred mile ruck march for time with 50 pounds on my back. And I finished this hundred mile ruck march in 30 hours. And afterwards I was like, I was broke off. So I'm sitting in the living room with Steph and I'm thinking my foot's broken. I couldn't walk on it. It was black and blue. It was swollen. So we're debating on whether or not to go to the hospital. And like, as we're sitting there debating on whether or not to go to the hospital, I end up on an Ironman site. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. Uh, so it's always been like a bucket list item. So I, I'm one of those people that I commit to something. And I'm like, all right, now let's figure out how to do it. So I signed up for this, this Ironman, not really knowing exactly what it was. Uh, this is like my first triathlon. And then I'm like, oh, crap. It's, it's a 2.4-mile swim, uh, which probably the longest I've swam before this was 25 yards <laughs> yeah <laughs> mile bike and then a 26.2 mile run so i was like all right the the run's the last part it's my strongest uh now i just gotta figure out how to cycle and swim so i've been prepping for like i think it's 10 weeks now and i have a little bit less than 10 weeks left to go and this saturday coming up i'm doing my my half iron man on my own to kind of test my progress so far yeah and then november 2nd in panama city is is the big day 
Dude, you're only doing a 20-week training program? I feel like that's kind of short. Yes. I mean, that's what everyone's told me so far. <laughs> um, and a, a YouTuber reached out to me, and he owns Team Tra uh, Team Trainiac, which is a triathlon training program. And he's like, you know, you got 20 weeks. You're, we can make it happen. Um, so volume is really high. And because I have a running background, and um, I'm comfortable with, like, putting myself in a little bit of an uncomfortable situation. You yeah. Know, taught me that a lot. Um, you know, volume is high for the week. And by the time I get to Saturday, like Sunday's my day off. By the time I'm at Saturday, which is my, my big brick workouts, I'm toasted. Like I'm smoked. Um, so I do my brick workout on Saturdays, which are like five to seven hours right now. And then I'm on the couch the rest of the day. And then Sunday, I just like soak it in. And it's funny because I'm the type of person who with fitness and training, I never looked forward to an off day. It was always like, man, I got to take an off day. And it's the one point in my life where I look forward to that day off because I need it. You know, yeah. I need to recover. I can't imagine, dude. And so I, I did the Boston Marathon in April. And just like the amount you, the amount of liquid you sweat and the amount of calories you're burning, like I could not eat enough food to, to like replace what I was losing. So it was tough. I got demolished by the uh, marathon. Probably. That's, case, but that's, yeah, that's what's interesting about Ironman is because, you know, as a bigger dude, too, like for my marathons, I was sitting at 220, 225. And by the time I get to mile like 16, 17, I hit that, sorry, in that wall mm -hmm. because I couldn't fuel myself enough to sustain the amount of energy I required. So what I'm learning about Ironman and the training, and it's really interesting, the perspective on nutrition, especially like during the bike, is you have to strategically go into this event with knowing like how many carbs you're going to consume wow. per hour, how much sodium you're consuming per hour, because if you don't, like you will, you'll hit that wall too early. <laughs> Like you're dragging across the finish line, which I already expect. Like I know that that 26.2 mile run is gonna it's gonna suck. Yeah, it's like how do you set yourself up in the best position possible to fuel yourself through the end? Yeah, it's fun. I, all your videos, your recent videos, look like they're about the Ironman training. I saw one uh, which maybe was from a little while back, but how to run a six minute mile at 225 pounds, and it's like yes, like that's my I'm like 2.30 and nobody gets it, man. It's a grind. It is, man. Like, it, it, the comments on that video were funny. It was like, a lot of people took it as the opportunity to show it there. Like, oh, I'm 2.30 and I'm running 5.30. Uh, well, let me see that, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. When I'm sitting at 2.25 running a six-minute mile, it's it's not comfortable by any means. It hurts, yeah. You know, so it's it's almost like reaching that like, metabolic conditioning rather than endurance at that point. Yeah. Man, so I'd love to hear about um, your upbringing. You got any siblings? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, so I'm from central Pennsylvania. Um, and I have one brother. His name's Preston. He's three years younger than me. He actually works with me at the business now here in Texas. Um, so like, growing up in high school, um, I was like an average dude. You know, like I, I didn't stand out extremely in, in sports or, uh, or school. Um, and it's funny because like, I started playing basically varsity baseball and hockey uh, in high school. And then my brother started playing sports. My brother was like, you know, he could, he would had offers for D1 football, D1 baseball. So he completely took the stage in sports. Uh, so like when we go back home still, people walk up to me and say, hey, are you, are you Preston's brother? Like, <laughs> or they say, are you a football player? I'm like, no, that's my brother. <laughs> um, so when I was, I was probably like a sophomore in high school. Uh, my cousin, who's older than me, he joined the army. And, you know, at that time, 2006, 2007, war was really kinetic. So I was watching him come back from his deployments from Iraq and Afghanistan, kind of the way he was changing, like the values he was learning, the person he was becoming, and the respect he was gaining from like the community and family. And I really was attracted to that. Um, so that's when I decided like, I want to join the military. I want to do that. I want to be that person. And I never really joined with the intent of making a career, but I knew I wanted to do at least four years and see where my life would go after that. Mm -hmm. So when I was a junior in, in high school, I applied for an army ROTC scholarship, which was essentially, if you get this national scholarship, they pay for your college and then they pay for everything in college, but you have a contract after college that you're going to do like, four to eight years in the military. So I was awarded that, and I went to, to school in Western Pennsylvania called the Indiana University of Pennsylvania, IUP. 
I saw that, man. Yeah. I, I, I heard you say in one of your interviews, I went to Indiana University. I was like, yes, because I'm, I'm an Indiana guy. And then you're like, yeah. of Pennsylvania. I was like, wait, what? How does that? <laughs> everyone, yeah, everyone, so everyone thinks the branch campus, but it's just in the town of Indiana. Oh. Um, so there's no affiliation with Indiana. No way. Yeah, it's crazy. So it's it's in the town of Indiana. And they're thinking of changing the university. At least when I was there, they were thinking of changing the name to like University of Western Pennsylvania. Just because of like the mis like the communication. It's just like everyone thinks it's a, a branch of Indiana. Yeah. But I went to school there uh, on an ROTC scholarship and I studied nutrition. And then I branched infantry. So I graduated in 2013 and, and went active duty army. And I guess like where, where my story really gets a little interesting is the year before I graduated college, I decided to start my own nutrition company. Uh, so I started Bear Performance Nutrition in 2012 out of this. You know, this we had this crappy college apartment that was above a bar on like the main street. Um, so I'm like shipping my supplements. So I'm building my business down this maybe eight by eight foot, you know, apartment and try to build this brand. Um, you know, that's kind of what, that was my high school to college years before going active duty military. Wow. Um, I heard in one of your videos, you said that you knew that there's going to be a lot of long distance stuff, uh, when you transition into ranger school, I think. And so you started doing cross country and I, I just feel like that's such a, uh, insightful, like, act that you did of saying hey i know that i need to be here so even though i'm not um at range school now i'm gonna start training to be there so that i'm ready even though i'm a little bigger guy i'll be able to keep up with the dude so uh, that's pretty cool but one thing i want to talk about because it's super interesting to me um you documented most of your time in the military and you mentioned that there's like this fine line that you could or couldn't cross been documenting this for social media. I'm, I'm curious how you approach that because we started social media so that we could document Sean's behind the scenes of all the things she was doing, but also the behind the scenes of the NFL and me getting picked up and released from teams. And there was, there was also this like super kind of gray area since social media is still kind of young. Nobody was doing it yet. They didn't have any regulations. So uh, what was that process like for you? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I started, I started YouTube. I started, it's funny because I started my business in 2012. And I learned the hardships of like launching a business uh, and having no demand from supply. Hmm. It wasn't until 2014 that I started YouTube. So it was like right when I got to Texas. So I went from graduating college to going to Fort Benning, Georgia for a year where I did the infantry officer basic course. I did ranger school. I did airborne school. And then in 2014, I got stationed in Texas. And when I got to Texas, my, my unit was in Germany at the time. So like there were 60 days before they were coming home and there wasn't much for me to do in Texas. So I was like, man, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. And it's actually the third time I tried starting a YouTube channel. First time I tried, it was like in college, put like one video up. It got like two hate comments, deleted the channel. Yeah. Second time I started up, I was in uh, Fort Benning and I just wasn't happy with the content, deleted it. 2014, then I was like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to this. So I invested and some camera equipment, which was nothing crazy, but it was like, you know, all the money I had at the time. And uh, I started this channel. And in the beginning, it was just documenting training nutrition stuff. Like, I just wanted to share my journey of you know, documenting that stuff. And there wasn't really anyone doing that I knew of, like military YouTube at the time. Now there's a bunch of military YouTubers, like they're all over the place. Hmm. And I never really wanted to document the military stuff because I knew there was that gray area. Like I knew I wasn't supposed to be taking a camera on post, but my unit got sent to South Korea for nine months. So I was like, all right, do I keep the channel going or do I just, I stop. And I was like, well, if I stop doing it, I'm going to lose all that momentum. I'm going to be starting from scratch. And there was also this thing that I knew after getting back from South Korea, I was going to transition out of the military. So it was my one time to like, make my name for myself, you know, to grow the brand, to grow the, the business through social media. So when I got to South Korea, I started documenting everything. And because like I lived on post, a lot of my content was military stuff. So I had to talk to my commander about it. And my first commander was super cool. Like he was, you know, you know, film it, like document it. But there were certain things that I couldn't, you know, so I would film 
um, like PT sessions. I would take the camera to the field, but like the army was always my priority. And then if I had time, it'd be okay. Now I can pull the camera out. Yeah. Um, but I never wanted, I, it was almost like I didn't want people to know I was a YouTuber in the army because I didn't want one to interfere with my job. Uh, and two, like I wasn't really comfortable with the content I was putting out there. So I didn't want to get torn up. And I, I vividly remember walking into the office one day and like no one knew I was a YouTuber at this time. And I could hear my voice on everyone's phone. And I was like, oh no, like they found my channel. And everyone in the company is listening, watching my channel. Uh, and like they were, they were very accepting of it. You know, they, they were, they loved it. And it was cool because my platoon wanted to be on camera. Like they wanted to be in the YouTube videos. They wanted to be part of the series mm. uh, at a time in South Korea. And they wanted to be shown doing PT and shooting their rifles and going to the range and stuff. But there was like, you know, it was uncomfortable because you knew it almost wasn't like, it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. Um, or it was the idea that no one else was doing it. I was the only one. And it's kind of hard because you're doing this one thing that you're so passionate about on the side after work, no one else is doing. And people kind of look at it as, you know, why are you doing this? Like, what are you doing? So it was like, it was a really tough period uh, to document all that. And the way my channel kind of like really took off is when I got to South Korea, I had 30,000 YouTube subscribers. And one day I just was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to document my day, the day in the life video. And I just carried the camera around and filmed like PT. I interviewed like my platoon sergeant. I put some of my, my soldiers on camera and I uploaded this video and it was called the day in the life of the infantry platoon leader. And the next day we were going to the field. So like, I uploaded this video, forgot about it. And we were going to training for 30 days. It was gunnery and I didn't have much access to my phone. And I remember like getting back from training one day and looking at my phone, this video, I mean, all my videos before that would be like 8,000, 9,000 views. And I look at it, pull this one video up and it's at like 30,000 views. And I refresh it, it's like 50,000 views. Yeah. And I refresh it, it's like 80,000. I was like, oh my God. And then like in the course of four weeks of training, my subscribers went from 30,000 to 50,000. Oh no, 30,000 to 80,000. I gained 50,000 subscribers in 30 days. Wow. And that's what really like kickstarted my YouTube channel because I found like this niche of not just YouTube, but like fitness YouTube essentially, where no one was documenting and showing this stuff. Um, and it wasn't like strategic, it was just like it's all I had to film. And that's when it really started like, to kick off. And I did get some, I did get some like lash and hate from um, upper level leadership and some peers about what I was doing. But I, I made it pretty apparent that like the army was my priority. You know, in all my free time, that's when I would do YouTube. Yeah. So like that was a crazy time of my life. And I call like my nine months in South Korea my most productive time of my life. Because when I got there, I said like, I'm not going to watch any movies. I'm not gonna watch any TV shows. I'm not gonna you know, go out and hang out with friends. And kind of just mess around like every waking moment outside of the military was going to be spent building my YouTube channel and building my business. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was like a crazy nine months, like very little sleep, but a lot, a lot of work. How many, by the time that day in the life video hit big, how many videos had you uploaded to your channel at that point? So I was doing YouTube for like two years at that point. I probably had 200 videos. See, so this is the, I, I feel like in social media for sure, but also if you expand the same logic to like life in general, like you have one big breakthrough, but there's two years of work that had set the foundation for that. And then also I feel like a big reason that people subscribe to channels is that they see that you have an archive of other similar videos. And so it's not like you just put out one random video and you gained all these subscribers. It was like, Hey, no, you put out a really quality video that ended up, hitting big and then people were attracted to your channel and subscribe because they'd seen you were consistent with it and, and had put in the work. So props to you, man. Was there ever a point where um, that embarrassment or I don't want to call it shame of like not wanting your, your uh, company to watch a video. So that ever switched to like a pride? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think it was the moment where I, I vividly remember being stationed in South Korea <laughs> 
And it's when the channel started to grow. And so I put my soldiers in videos during cooking sessions and they would come back to me saying like, hey, their friends and family came across these videos and saw them in the videos and they thought it was super cool. So like they wanted me to bring the camera to like mm. the range. They wanted me to bring the camera to um, like PT sessions. And it was then where like, they felt a part of it. You know, it wasn't me just like showing them, but they became a part of the vlog and the series and like the time over there. Um, and it was something different that no other platoon had. And our platoon was super close. Like we had a really strong group of like 40 guys between NCOs and soldiers where like we were like, a close family. So like they loved um, the YouTube aspect of it. It just became part of like our platoon. That's great. Was was the purpose under like the underlying purpose of making this content in the back of your mind was that to ultimately um, help build your nutrition business, which you said you had started previously? In the beginning, no. In the beginning, um, I just wanted to document the process of training nutrition. And I didn't even push my like I was the worst salesman in the beginning. Like, I would never put my products in there. I would never promote my company. I would never talk about it. You know, I'd show my like pre-workout once in a while and say like, Hey, if you want to buy this, you can, you don't have to by any means. Yeah. Uh, but then when I started seeing like, the correlation between growing my personal brand and then the business growing, well, then it became like, you know, YouTube wasn't something that was separate from business. They're, they were all then vertically aligned. Mm. So it just became, became part of like the marketing strategy. Um, and I think I'm, you know, I'm really grateful for like, the way it's been built because like I said, everything's kind of vertically aligned where it's a sports nutrition line, the brand and the content on my personal YouTube channel is fitness, business, nutrition. Uh, and then the things I do, like things I love, things I'm passionate about are fitness, business, nutrition, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just worked. It worked. It was like molded that way where in the beginning that wasn't the intent, but then it became the intent afterwards. That's great, man. It, it's worked well for you. I'm curious to hear how the transition out of the military was for you. Yes, yeah, so I you know a lot of people struggle with this. And because I put so much time, I, you know, since 2012, I was building this company. Uh, and in 2017, I transitioned out of the military. So I wouldn't like, I say it was easy and it, it was pretty straightforward. But like the last, yeah, after I got back from South Korea, that last year in the army was the time of my life where I slept the least because as soon as I got back from South Korea, back to the States, my brother moved from Pennsylvania to Texas to help with the business. Um, so at this point now we're shipping all of our products out of, out of my house. I had, I had like 1100 square foot house in Texas that I got when I first got here and we were shipping everything out of there. Um, so like, I guess a, a day in my life would look like, um, because we signed a lease for a warehouse and we build a mat up, you know, I'd wake up at like 4.30 and I'd drive into work and we'd have our morning meeting at six with the, the company. And then at 6.30, we'd do PT till 7.30. And then I would get in my truck and I'd sleep until 8.45 or nine. And I'd go into work until lunch and I'd sleep in my truck for an hour during lunch. Then we'd work from like five to seven p.m. if we weren't in the field and then I would drive back home which is 45 minutes and we would pack up the truck and go to the warehouse which is another 45 minutes away and start building that and we'd be there till like 1 a.m. filming videos on the way back we'd stop and get some in and out get two double doubles and two things mm, could do some in and out now Nick dude I was like 230 pounds got pulled my life we were <laughs> and uh get back at like you know, 2 a.m. and I'd edit videos until it was done editing the upload. And then you know, that was going to be 3 a.m. and wake up at 4.30 the next day. So I, like that point in my life was literally a blur. Like everything was, I, like I say it was easy to transition, but I think like I was so passionate about what we were doing. I was just like, I was in love with it. Mm. Um, so then when I transitioned out, like the business at that point was sustainable, where it was making enough money that, uh, I could pay my brother and I could start taking money from the business. Like 2017 was the first year I took any money from the business personally, five years after launch. Wow. Um, 
And like, it was just a kind of smooth transition because I had sources of revenue from YouTube and business and sponsorships where it worked out pretty well. But a lot of people, I'd say 90% of the people that transition out of the military aren't in that position. Like a lot of people wait too long to set themselves up for success or plan um, before getting out. Yeah. Uh, you described your day. You, you're coming out with a book entitled 25 Hours a Day. Is that right? When does that come out? Uh, so right now it's, it's scheduled for around November. Whoa, man. Yeah. Exciting times. Yeah. Um, so I, I imagine I imagine the military is somewhat like sports where it's this mentality of like, you got to be fully invested, be all in right now. Like there's no plan B. You know what I'm saying? Sell out for this one cause. But it seems like you and I are similar in the sense that there is always kind of this like, I don't want to call it a plan B, but you're planning and preparing and laying the foundation for whatever is next. Um, was was there ever tension uh, within you with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the best way to put it, laying the foundation for what was next, <laughs> because I knew what the next move was. Um, but like, I mean, it was it was tough because time was always an issue. Like I never had enough of time to do things that I really wanted to do. Um, because you know, to be honest, as productive as the military is, there is a lot of downtime. And just because there's downtime at work doesn't mean I can pull out my computer and start working on other stuff. So the answer where a small frustration came into play was I knew there were things I had to do, but there literally weren't enough hours in the day for me to do it because I was trying to juggle both. And it just worked out where as I was transitioning out, the business was growing, where both jobs were extremely overwhelming mm. with, with the time required to do both. Um, so it was like, it was, you know, I was, I was being pulled in a lot of different directions because I knew what my priority was. And that was the army. Like that came first because that was my job. Um, but I'm, I'm also trying to lay like this foundation, like you said, for what was coming next. So that was like the one point in my life where my vision for what I was trying to, to create or where I was trying to be next was so disrupted and, and all over the place because I was so stuck in the day of what I was trying to just accomplish, you know? Um, so I was just trying to get through that point in my life and just keep up before I knew like, okay, when I transition out that next point of, of being a full-time entrepreneur, I will have the time required to do what I want to do. What do you have a planning or vision, uh, vision casting process that you go through goal setting? Yeah. I mean, I always have goals I'm working towards. Right. And, uh, a lot of times like my goals are something I'm not going to accomplish in the next year or two or even five, Like they're, they're super long-term, like they're these massive goals. Um, you know, almost like Grant Cardone 10 X role. Like I set these goals so massive that, Chances are I'm going to miss them or maybe not even reach them. But like the stepping stones to get to there are going to put me in a position to get to get further than I would have been. Hmm. Um, but I, I mean, we establish goals. And I think it's it's super important that like me as the business owner, me as the personal brand, not only understands these goals, but like the team understands these goals and the audience that watches and supports the channel and the business also understands what we're trying to accomplish because like if the team doesn't understand what my vision is and then the audience doesn't really understand what my vision is, well then like there's, there's like that lost concept of what we're trying to accomplish. Hmm. You know? So a lot of our goals are like vision oriented. We do have metric goals that we're trying to accomplish and whether that's like monthly, quarterly, annually, or like five year. Um, But I focus on the vision a lot and making sure the team and the audience understands that vision. Today's episode is brought to you by Zebit. The only thing worse than having zero time for holiday shopping and zero ideas for gifts is having zero money to buy gifts. But Zebit is fixing all of these problems with their amazing online marketplace and products available with zero interest, zero fees, and zero cost to join. With Zebit, simply choose a product you love and only pay a small portion of the price at checkout. The rest you pay over time at 0% interest. Check this out. I'm looking at a pair of AirPods with 
which go everywhere else at a retail price of about $159. But on Zebit, I only pay $30 down and finance the rest over time at 0% interest. And for last minute holiday shopping, there's no better option. When it's too late to ship something, Zebit gives you instant access to gift certificates from dozens of your favorite brands and stores like Nike, Macy's, Old Navy, and Foot Locker. Whether you're knocking your list out ahead of time or scrambling for something last minute, with Zebit, you're only one click away from a great holiday gift. Sign up for Zebit today at zebit.com east and get up to $2,500 credit to shop the Zebit marketplace at zero interest and zero cost to join. That's zebit.com slash east for $2,500 of interest-free credit. zebit.com slash east. Hey, listen, if you run your own business, you are used to doing it all. But if you're struggling to get through your to-do list, HoneyBook can help. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. HoneyBook makes it simple to run your business better. Professional templates, e-signatures, and built-in automation keeps everything on track and makes you look good. They can even consolidate services you already use like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, and MailChimp or Gmail. It is the number one choice for client and business management for freelancers like Sean and I and business owners. Save time and do more of what you love with HoneyBook. And right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off when you visit honeybook.com east. Payment is flexible and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. Go to honeybook.com east for 50% off your first year. That's honeybook.com slash E-A-S-T. That's amazing. Yeah, I was, I was uh, talking beforehand. You're a great storyteller in your videos and it sounds like you do that same thing in your business. Um, to talk about your supplement business, so you went from mixing supplements in your dorm room to now a large warehouse just north of Austin. Um, talk to us about that growth and your inspiration to, to be different in the supplement industry, which can be a little murky. Yeah. I mean, 2000. So I, I, I was a supplement junkie in college. Like I found bodybuilding in like probably my high school year of my last year of high school, senior year. And, uh, I became like the gym bro where like, I just wanted to get big and strong. Right. Like, so I got to college and the, the gym, like a college university, is like a zoo you know it's like meathead central right so I, I was studying nutrition i fell in love with like supplements and like the experience you get from like pre-workout and freaking love it dude i'm okay. a meathead you're talking one right now pre-workout man all day all day <laughs> I, pre-workout, man, I was hooked for life <laughs> like you know me and my buddies we couldn't afford a lot of supplements in college like if i had 30 dollars in my bank account for the rest of the month I would go buy a tub of pre-workout rather than saving that for food. So what we did is we all pitched in, we bought these ingredients in bulk. Like we'd buy like caffeine, we'd buy citrulline malate and beta alanine. And we mix up our own pre-workout. But the thing is like, we didn't understand one, how to flavor products. So they tasted like absolute garbage, mm. just like raw chemicals. And the scale that we had, we got at Walmart and it only would measure in grams. So we measure in milligrams. So like, we're trying to measure out, I remember measuring out caffeine and it won't register until it hit a gram. So, you know, like you take like maybe uh, 200 milligrams pre-workout. Sometimes we, we might've taken a little bit of time. So like we'd be <laughs> up on this pre-workout. Oh my gosh. So if you came into my dorm room freshman year, I have this, this scale with white powder all over it, white baggies, and then dudes are coming to my door knocking to buy my pre-workout, I'd hand them a, a baggie of powder. <laughs> they hand five bucks, and like we shake hands, and that was it. Um, so that's like where it all started. That's how I started the concept of VPN. And then between my junior and senior year of high school, I had to go to the, or college, excuse me. I had to go to this. Uh, it was called advanced camp in the military, where you get assessed on like your leadership abilities based on all the other cadets in the nation. And I came back with like, a really good evaluation there. So I had newfound confidence in my leadership and management, you know, capabilities. And the next day I got back, I established Fair Performance Nutrition as an LLC in the state of Pennsylvania. And I took out a $20,000 loan to buy supplements. So it was actually a pretty good gig because there's this bank called USAA and they work with 
cadets in ROTC. And they would give us like up to a $20,000 loan and we have to make payments for like six months after commissioning. So you get this money and you want to have to make payments for like 18 months after that. So all these guys are taking this money out and they're buying like new cars, they're buying engagement rings, going on vacations. And I took this money out to start my business. Um, and my plan, and I always tell this story, but my plan was, I told my dad, I was like, I'm going to buy this inventory. I'm going to send it to YouTubers. They're going to review it. I'm going to make a million dollars year one. And he was like, yo, if it's that easy, everyone will be doing that. I said, watch this. I'm going to show you. So I buy the inventory from manufacturer. I work with manufacturer to create a pre-workout and amino acid supplement. Uh, I have a buddy build my website for free. I had my buddy design my logo. I dieted down, do a photo shoot to promote the brand. Had no clue what I was doing. Launched the supplement company, expecting to make a million dollars in like two orders rolling from like mom and grandma. <laughs> so, and it didn't get much better for the first three years. Like for the first three years, our annual revenue was $20,000. Um, and it was tough. Like, I remember year three, my accountant telling me, like, you should consider closing this business because it's not profitable. And this is right before kind of, you know, going to Korea. And for the past year before that, I'm building this YouTube channel and this platform. And when I got to Korea, you know, I really doubled down. I went all in and I said, you know, I want to make $10,000 a month in revenue with this company. And at the time we were making like $2,000 or $3,000 a month in revenue. So I became like a Swiss army pocket at the VPN. Like I did marketing, advertising, customer support. Uh, I rebranded the company. I learned how to code for a website, like everything. And uh, within the first 90 days of being in Korea, we, we went from $2,000 in sales to $10,000 in sales a month. Hmm. And that was the first year we did six figures. So we went from doing $20,000 to six figures. Um, and like that was like the breaking point of, okay, this might actually turn into something. Hmm. And then um, when I really started to understand and learn marketing and video editing and photo editing and advertising and branding, like I did a complete rebrand of the company, complete rebuild of the website. Um, we were able to, you know, move into this new warehouse and we grew the company like, like a year after hitting six figures, 750% where we hit our first seven figures then. So mm -hmm. like it was this massive growth within a time period where like the, the thing I can contribute to is like we went all in. Like instead of me going like 50% or like 60% or even 80% at something, like I went all in and dedicated 100% of my lifetime resources to it. And that's when it started to scale and grow. Hmm. Yeah, on your on your podcast, the Bear Performance Podcast, you have an episode entitled uh, "How Growing My Business Seven Hundred Fifty Percent Almost Destroyed My Business." Can you talk to us about that struggle? Yeah, I mean, we weren't we weren't ready for that growth, uh, and it made it hard because you know, as a as a young business owner that starts a brand with twenty thousand dollars, you quickly understand how important cash flow is. So, like the flow of cash coming in and out. So like, you know, we would have 12 week lead times for products and I'd have to put the money at the time all up front for this inventory. We didn't have any terms. So I'd buy like the pre-workout, I'd buy the amino acids, I'd buy the protein up front and I'd spend a bunch of money. And then sometimes we would sell out of all the inventory in like two weeks. So I'd make that money back plus some, but I had to put all that money plus more back in the inventory where it takes another 12 weeks to produce. So there's like eight to 10 weeks of out of inventory. So you know, during those eight to 10 weeks, I still have a lease to pay for. Uh, I still have employees to pay. Like I still have expenses going on. So like learning how to manage cash flow during that point in our growth, I felt like I was constantly like every day about to lose the business. Um, so even though like everything's good in terms of like, Sales are increasing, exposure is increasing, the brand is improving. Um, I was still trying to learn how to manage cash flow, and that almost destroyed like everything we were doing. Wow! Uh, you mentioned being the Swiss Army knife of your business, and 
I heard you in an interview say that for everybody that at one point would buy your product, you would write a handwritten thank you note to them. Uh, why, why did you do that? And what were the repercussions of that? I mean, that's, that's still something we get praised on is our customer service and like how fast we ship supplements out or, or products out in general. Um, so that was something I decided to do when I was in Korea, actually. I was like, every order that comes in, um, I would write a handwritten thank you note and send it back to the States. So, you know, it started where I'd start writing these letters at 9 p.m. And by 10, I was done. And then before I knew it, it'd be like 9 to 11. And then 9 to midnight, it got to a point where I couldn't write handwritten thank you notes anymore. Because mm -hmm. it'd be like, you know, hey, John, thanks for buying Blue Raspberry Flight. Hope you enjoy it. Let me know if you have any questions. Nick. And then I'd put an envelope, I'd handwrite the address, um, and it would take me forever. But like just having that connection with the customer was massive. And the thing was, like at the time, like entrepreneurship, as big as it is now, that's only grown in the past couple of years. Like back then it wasn't even that big. So these aren't things that I was learning from like podcasts and interviews and books. These are just things I was like coming up to my head. It's like, now I'm going to do this and write thank you letters. Uh, and then I got to the point where we were making phone calls to everyone that placed orders. So like there were days we'd make 200, 300 phone calls. And it would take me four days to you know, make these phone calls to people that placed orders to thank them. And it was having that connection with the customer over the past few years that's really like established a strong supportive customer base. Um, and it's something we never take for granted. Like having the support from people that buy our stuff, that support the the channels, the social media platforms, the the products, the site, like we never undervalue or, or take that for granted. Like anyone that comes to our site, we, we greatly appreciate it. So yeah. anything we do to thank them, um, yeah, it's what we, we want to do. I love that mentality of if they're gonna invest in you and buy your product, like you you need to have some investment in them as well. And you know, I mentioned at the beginning that the reason you're on this show is because you have some highly devoted fans. And just the practices that you do, whether it's writing handwritten thank you notes for people who buy your product, or I'm sure on social media, you interacting and DMing people back, like just good practices to build a solid community of people. So hats off to you. No, I appreciate it. I think like one of the things that happens on social media sometimes is because it's all, it's all virtual, it's all online. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes like those relationships, I don't want to say feel fake, but like they don't really feel as as real as they would in, unless they're in person, right? right? Like the past two years, we've had events where we opened up the warehouse down here in Texas and hundreds of people would fly down and come in and, and work out in the gym and just like talk and hang out. And like those events always leave a lasting impression on me because like you see the emotion in someone's face when they come up to you and they say like, I lost this much weight from watching your videos or I decided to run a marathon because of watching your videos or I joined the army because of, following your story and like when you can see someone actually display that emotion in their face and like shake your hand and talk to them mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it makes me want to like keep doing YouTube. it makes me want to keep doing more and posting more and inspire more people so like i love the personal interactions as much as the online interactions but when you can actually meet someone and talk to them about it it's like man this is hits deep yeah. So for people curious about supplements and bare performance nutrition, tell us why uh, your supplements are the best. Yeah, I, mean, I think any supplement company owner is going to tell you, buy my stuff, it's the best, right? Um, and when we first got in the market in 2012, and th the supplement industry was very different then. Like there were proprietary blends everywhere. So like, you know, you pick up a bottle of pre-workout and you would say, this is the pre-workout energy blend, and it would list all these ingredients, but it wouldn't tell you how much of that ingredient is in the product. Right. It would be like, this is a 10 gram um, blend, and then here's the, the products are in that blend. Um, so my first competitive advantage was, well, I want to create products that have no proprietary blends. Um, and I wanted to formulate and dose these products as effective as possible, right? So. You know, different products create different experiences. There's not like one pre-workout that is the ultimate pre-workout for everyone. Everyone has like a little bit of different taste in what they like in a pre-workout, for example. Um, 
or different flavors in protein or different purposes in like amino acids. So like every product we put out there has a specific purpose. Like we don't create a laundry list of, of products with a laundry list of ingredients just to have a full line. We've added products slowly to the line over the years that serve a direct purpose that I wanted to use and create. Um, so like that's one thing that makes it stand out is the, the quality, the dose of the product and the ingredient, um, and the transparency behind everything you do with BPN. So like we take the consumer via YouTube or Instagram, social media to the manufacturing facility. We say, this is where we make our stuff. Yeah. Research it. This is how we make the product. These are the ingredients we use. These are the testing materials that we uh, use in the facility. This is the lab where we test your product. This is why you know what you're getting is exactly what we tell you. Um, so transparency behind the brand to the consumer has been a massive competitive advantage um, for the company. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I think the only time I ever did drugs was when I bought some pre-workout off of uh, I don't even know what site it was, but it shipped. It took like six weeks because it was coming from China. And I literally could not sleep after I took it. And I took it in the morning and I couldn't sleep like for the next two days. I was like, I don't know what's in here, but I don't was like it? it. So was this recently? <laughs> no, this was like this was like four years ago. But uh anyway. <laughs> I'll tell you the supplement industry changed so much. Like four years ago, there were products out there that uh they were using ingredients that the stimulants were so strong. Yeah. That like people were getting hurt and injured. Um, but like the FDA has gotten involved more with um, eliminating some of those ingredients. But like we make sure we don't use any banned ingredients. Like even if it's an ingredient that is like a strong stimulant and that's what you typically have to look out for. Like some of these products use stimulants that you can't pronounce, never heard of, um, but will mess you up for days. Yeah, I, I think I experienced that. Yeah. Um, so what is your, what is your workout philosophy? I'm, I'm interested because you said you went from bodybuilding. Now you're doing long distance stuff, endurance stuff like the Ironman, um, marathons. I'm surprised you're not into CrossFit to a certain extent. I got into CrossFit. Dude, I've done it all, man. Like, uh, I started out where I got into bodybuilding and I did a bodybuilding competition. And then I got into strength training a lot and I did a powerlifting competition. And I focused on strength for a long time. And then when I got out of the military, I said I would never run a day in my life again. And six months later, I did a, a marathon. Yeah. Uh, and then I got really dedicated to CrossFit for a few months. And then I went back to strength training. And now it's training for this Ironman. So like fitness to me isn't one dimensional. Um, it's like multidimensional. I think a lot of times people like want like they want to be a bodybuilder. They want to, sometimes they want to label me as a bodybuilder. They want to label me as a powerlifter. They want to label me as a crossfitter, depending on what I'm training at that moment. Um, but like, I love training. Like, I love all facets of fitness. So like, I want to be able to go and deadlift 700. I want to be able to go and run a six minute mile. I want to be able to go run a marathon. Um, but the thing is that you can't focus on all of that obviously at once. So I go through periods where like, I have a goal to focus and that's what I focus on for the time being. So like right now it's Ironman training. And even though like I'm losing weight and my strength is decreasing, I'm losing size. I'm finding like my body is in a level of conditioning and endurance. Like it's never been before. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning things about fitness and in my form and training that I have never had before. And especially in regards to nutrition. So like all these things are like tools in my toolbox that I love doing, but also I can use to teach other people. So like, I want to be able to, I don't want to be the guy that reads a study or watches a video on someone teaching someone how to run. Like I want to actually go out and do it. Yeah. Talk from experience. So like to say, I, like right now I'm focused on Ironman training, but I miss strength training right now. Like I miss going into the gym and throwing some weight around. Yeah. Um, but like that time will come. You know, I'll come back. Yeah. When I, when I lift, I, uh, I usually turn on like some type of fitness film, like whether it's CrossFit or generation iron. And like my, when I first saw like the bodybuilding contest stuff, I was like, so repulsed. Cause like, Oh my gosh, these guys are just like, 
insane and not natural. But then I was, I was, I would like watch that while training for a marathon. I was like, you know, it's, it is kind of, I love the concept of like how far, what can we do with the human body? And so um, doing the marathon was like a really good process for me having come from the like just strictly explosive training of football. Uh, I hated the way my legs felt and like that decrease in strength that you mentioned, but I had never like energy wise felt any better after doing my marathon training. Um, so anyway, it's, it's a good process, but uh, you, you have a training class or you have a training program, embrace the suck. Yeah. Uh, embrace the suck training has been something we've been doing for the past probably year now, almost exactly a year. Uh, so 12 week training programs online uh, where we've had thousands of people go through the programs and like get amazing results. And like the intent behind embrace up training was almost a combination of all the training I could do. So it's broken down into the micro cycles and blocks where it's, you get your strength training, uh, you get your metabolic conditioning, you still go for like three to five mile runs. Um, and there's still some like hypertrophy and bodybuilding in there. Mm-hmm. But it's a combination of all the ways I like to train. Uh, that's a platform we're currently working to revamp. So we're hiring someone full-time to do all that programming. Uh, so we have, it's actually my buddy. He's a, he's a Green Beret from 10th Group. He's transitioned in the military. Strength and conditioning certified, getting CrossFit Level 1 certified. Um, went to school for strength and conditioning. So we're going to revamp that program to make it where it's more customizable to the user um, for longer periods of time. So it'll be like a monthly subscription type thing. But we're, invest, or we're investing a lot of money and time into creating this platform. So hopefully in the next six months, we have this have it out. That's great. Do you have a favorite physique of the different types of training you've been doing that like the, the training has led to a certain type of physique that you prefer? Yeah. So I think like, you know, from like an Instagram perspective, um, what I'm bodybuilding and dieting down that's when i look the best but that's when i feel the worst like mm-hmm. i do not as an overall health standpoint i hate that yeah um during crossfit is actually when i think i looked the best and that's when i felt the best because when i was like seriously in crossfit i was uh this was actually the only time in my life i, I probably reached a level of overtraining but i was i was doing bodybuilding movements i was training crossfit with a coach and i was training for a marathon um so i was like jack tan and lean from training outside and that's when i felt the best but like you know it's hard to say because right now with ironman training i feel really really good like i feel light on my feet i feel healthy uh my diet's on point and i have to be more accountable of my diet than ever before because of how intense the training is mm-hmm. um but i'm not strong right now so i think honestly crossfit with a little bit of bodybuilding movements is where i think i look the best Interesting. Um, all right, well, we'll, uh, we'll start closing out here. I'm, I'm curious. You have so much going on. What are your goals that you have right now? So like short-term goals are Ironman. Um, and I don't really have, people want to ask me, what time do you want to finish the Ironman? Uh, to be honest, like, I, I don't know right now. As I get closer to that event, I'll know like this weekend I'm doing my half Ironman. And that'll give me more of a projection of like where I'm going to be for the full. Um, so, but just completing that is like a, a massive goal of mine right now. Um, so that's like from fitness wise, that is my, my big goal right now. Um, I always have goals for like social media. So like I want to, I want to grow my platforms um, like 10 X essentially with the right type of people and the right type of content. Like I want my social media platforms not to just have like higher numbers, but I want to not necessarily influence, but impact more people's lives through the stuff I'm putting out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you can find social media channels and platforms and everything now, but like I want my content and it's kind of the premise of my book right now too. It's probably another goal is launching this book, but um, I want to help people break past mental and physical barriers they place on themselves. And not to turn this into a long story, but like where this stemmed from was when I was in the army, when I was an infantry platoon leader, I used to give my soldiers after PT like motivation, motivational like speeches. I would say I'd be in the zone and like we'd be all sweaty, <laughs> get my run and be like, yo, I'm feeling this right now. Um, 
And I remember asking them one day, like, what do you guys want to do? Like, what are your goals? What are your aspirations and your visions? And so many of them, like their goals were, were small, like, because they didn't believe they could do these things. Like they didn't, they had like these mental and physical barriers and caps that they placed on themselves. And this was from like a small sample size. This is just my platoon. And like it literally it made me angry because I realized how much potential some of those guys had, how smart they were, how talented they were. But maybe from like where they grew up, where they came from, they might have been told otherwise. So like they didn't think they could do these great things because of these caps they placed on themselves. And that's like the meaning behind my book, the meaning behind my platforms and my content is like I want people to break past these barriers they place on themselves because they don't realize like what they can accomplish. Like I'm just an average dude from central Pennsylvania that just like had these big goals and didn't let anything stop me and like put myself in positions of what was uncomfortable and hurt and experiences. And it put me here today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, that's a, that's a massive goal of mine is growing obviously those platforms for that reason. And then um, from a business perspective, uh, I want BPN to be a hundred million dollar company one day. And I want to have you know hundreds of employees. So a, the big driving factor behind like why I want to grow my brand and business um, is because I want to grow a massive team. Like I want to give people opportunities within the business. And I want to walk into the warehouse in the morning and there's like hundreds of people, like high energy, positivity, active, ready to just like grow the brand and that their vision aligns with the brand vision. So like those are the, the three things I'm really focused on and goal oriented in my life right now. Love that, man. And then what are three takeaways that you have learned over your journey and all you've done uh, that you want to share with the audience that could apply to this? So I'd say the first one is uh, being resilient and you know, not only within like my business story, but like a clear example of Ranger School. So like when I went to Ranger School, it's a 61 day course. About 50% of people graduate and finish the course. Um, and most people don't make it straight through. So there's three phases. Um, so each phase is three weeks long. I went into the first week and I failed and I had to do it all over again. But there was a six-week holdover before I could go back in. So I'm in Ranger School for three weeks, fail, had to stay at Ranger School for six more weeks, not go home, uh, and wait for the next phase to start. Go to the, the, the first phase again, pass, move on to phase two, which is the mountains, fail that phase. Uh, and then did that over again, passed, went to the third phase, finally passed. So I spent like 141 days in a 61-day course, which felt like an eternity. I felt like I was never going to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was like there was there was one goal. There were no distractions in the outside of the world. I didn't have communication with like anyone or anything. But like just being resilient to push through all the obstacles that came my way. Um, so that's, that's a massive, massive thing for me. Um, the second would be to overcommit and overobsess. And I talked about this in a video before. Um, and this is kind of the reason I'm probably here right now is, you know, so many people want to accomplish these things. I wanted to accomplish these things. And it wasn't until I went all in with my business. I went all in on my brand. I went all in on everything I was doing. That's when I saw the return. When I was operating at like 50, 60, 70%, and I was just like spread so thin, and I was just putting some time here, some time there, but I was entitled to like, I need my time off. I need my vacations. I need to do something that pays myself. That's when nothing really was like hmm. progress. When I went all in and over committed and over obsessed on this one thing that I wanted to do, that's when I started to see like a return. And then the last thing is, and this is something I don't know if I was just born with it uh, or I'm too ignorant to know better, but like I was never paralyzed by analysis. Like we talk about this all the time, like analysis by or paralysis by analysis. Um, like I'm the type of person who I do not overthink things. Like I wanted to start a business. Okay, let's register the LLC and figure it out from there. Like I want to um, join the army and go to ranger school. All right, let's do it and figure it out from there. Um, I want to run a marathon, do an Ironman. I'm going to sign up and then I'll figure out how to get there. 
So it's like, I've never been the person that overanalyzed these things and was paralyzed by that overanalysis. I just like committed and then figured out how to get there. Um, and I think it's been a massive like mindset shift in my life that has put me in this position of getting the things I kind of wanted or working toward the things I wanted. Cause I was never afraid of necessarily failing. I mean, I failed many, many times. I've lost tens of thousands of dollars and wasted thousands of hours doing things the wrong way. Um, but I was never afraid to dive into it and figure it out. That's fantastic, man. That's great advice. Uh, man, I really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, if you guys want to find out more about Nick and his supplement company, you can find his supplements at bpmsups.com, I believe. And then uh, his social handles in the show notes down below. But it was really great meeting you. Tell Stephanie I said hello and thank you for connecting us. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Absolutely. I appreciate it, man.